Hello and welcome back to Behavior Babble with Pam and Barb. And in this second episode regarding the book 10 Days to a Less Defiant Child, um, you are going to get to hear uh, about (laughs) chapters 6 through 10 that um, Pam and I talk about. And we missed uh, chapter 5 or step 5 because we did the first four steps in the first one. And then we skipped ahead thinking we had done five and we hadn't. So I'm just going to let you know that chapter five is is extremely important. Um, and it covers reinforcing the positive and trying to really make the positive happen more. And the more that we focus on the positive, the more that's going to multiply. But if you reverse that, the more we focus on the negative, it too will multiply. So I really like that concept. And then the other piece that's so crucial throughout all of this is to remember to reward not only your child and be spotlighting positive, but reward yourself. So um, that's all I'm going to really say about chapter five. I do recommend reading the entire book. And of course, you can focus in on chapter five, but that's what it's about. And then we're going to, in this episode, talk about... Um, six through 10. So enjoy. And um, I will make sure to post a couple things on our show notes. Um, But let us know if you have any questions or if you have a book that you'd like for us to review, we'd be happy to do that too. All right. Enjoy. Sure. So So we're on to day six. And hi. Hi. Oh, it's been (laughs) (laughs) it's been a I don't know, three weeks since we met, so just there's been a little bit of pause between chapters one through five, and now we're going to go through six through ten today. Yeah. Did we get to five? I feel like we did, because it was, um... Five is reinforcing the positive. Right. Maybe we didn't. Hmm. I can't recall. That would have been helpful to drill down on. Well, you know what I was thinking that might be nice for us to start today is to kind of review each one quickly anyway. Okay. Um... Where just if somebody is listening to only one of these, they could get a little bit of fun. So we're reading 10 Days to the Less Defiant, or A Less Defiant Child, um, by Jeffrey Bernstein, who we've contacted, and he may potentially have an interview that later, we'll post later. Um, any thoughts since last time we met, though, about the book? Like how you're using it, or impressions you have, or... Before we get, I would say, generally speaking, it was a good reminder because so I was using, as you know, a library book and I returned it, and it became a little bit out of sight, out of mind, all of a sudden. So it was a good reminder of how you have to, if you have a good idea, you do have to cultivate it, because when I was reading the book, I was, I was quoting it and advocating it for it with I was finding a way to bring it up all the time Mm -hmm. and now that I had to return it to the library it was a good reminder of like oh I have to work at that I have to work at reminding my families that these ideas are valuable or reminding myself that this is uh you know this is a process and that it takes time and that there's sometimes small answers to big problems um but it was a good reminder that uh, just coming back to it now and seeing your book here and remembering some of my notes and all of that kind of stuff, it is a good reminder. Maybe there's some room for just circling back. That's kind of like exercise or diet or any of those things. Like, unless you work at it, 
it's hard to maintain positive habits. Don't you think it's also that um, I feel like they are such foundations or such basics that they're not things that you think of every day, like that you do that you do have to have reminders. Like I, I, like I kept writing each chapter in my own words as much as I could so that I could kind of try and get it as a habit. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? What I'm trying to say. So, <clears throat> like the. I don't know. I don't. I'd have to look at the book actually. Like the first chapters, I I'm remembering it as just grasping the why because that's what makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are. I mean, it, oh, it's grasping why your child acts defiantly, and for me, you know, I read a lot of Tina Bryce and Dan Siegel where they say chasing the why and you know trying to figure out what's going on underneath. Um, anyway, so totally agree that they're basics that you have to remind yourself of it's interesting because he titles it 10 days where it's like oh my gosh but it's really a lifestyle change right that's gonna take these 10 things if you can shift them your mindset just a little in each of these things you're gonna have a less defiant child right well and I love that he calls it less defiant he's not saying your child will be the most compliant child which I think is a really important distinction especially for our families with ASD where there are methodologies who go for compliance. Mm-hmm. And um, we so we could have lots and lots of conversations about <laughs> compliance versus defiance. And, um, and I just like that he's not looking for perfection out of anyone, which I know is one of our... our His last piece. one. Right. Progress, not perfection. That's right. one that I really held on to. I love mm-hmm. that. But I think it's so important that... Um, <laughs> I mean, one person's defiance is another another person's, you know, liberator, right? Yeah. So it is all about perspective. And I I think when you get this umbrella, when you you are living under this umbrella of ASD or through this, you're living with this lens of ASD, sometimes that compliance can feel so big and important Mm. that defiance feels like the thing you need to target. Um, when we forget that all kids are defiant in some way, and if they're not, there's something wrong. Right. That's <laughs> a problem. Need to push boundaries. Our exact, right. And there mm-hmm. are, I mean, how often have you had a client who's inc- incredibly passive and the parent's like, yeah. I wish he would do something, yeah. right? And that's scary. And that, per- that, per- that child has a lot of risk involved with being a really passive person and a really compliant person. They're very vulnerable that way. It's not, it's not always great. I mean, it's definitely not, uh, um, developmentally appropriate Mm -hmm. um but it also just is unsafe in a lot of ways that's a very good point yeah you can get in a lot of trouble which is a whole nother conversation too right but i always say it's easier no it's uh i don't know how i say it i talk a lot about how it's so hard to start that fire of Mm -hmm. motivation Mm -hmm. but if you have a kid who's super fiery yeah you can redirect it in ways that really work Mm -hmm. that it's a kid who has some Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, So one of my things that I, I, maybe what I'll do is just tell you from the first part. Um, We talked a lot about the yelling, and I think that is one area that stuck with me, is just that he does have a great set of tools of ways to think about doing something other than yelling. And I have yeah. brought, that has stuck with me as well. And I have brought that to families in, in the recent time of just having those tools of what to do instead of yelling. And it, and yeah. it was interesting because we talked a lot about, and I can't remember if this was actually recorded or just part of our conversation where we were talking about like not 
not yelling, right? That uh -huh. somebody might not yell. But I started thinking, well, you might still want to yell or you might still have the feeling of yelling. You might yeah. still have the, um, and so really thinking about, are you being sarcastic? Are you being, you know, passive aggressive? Mm. And so, yeah, it might not be that you raised your voice, but are you still being the communicator that you want to be? It's funny because I think I'm the one maybe who said, well, I don't yell that much, you know, sometimes I have, but, um, it's interesting because sometimes my son will say, stop yelling at me. And I'm like, I am not yelling. Which, because I am using a normal tone of voice, but probably what you're saying. I mm. might be lecturing or I might be sarcastic, although I'm not that sarcastic usually. Passive aggressive. That's what I can be. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <clears throat> okay, so real quickly, mm -hmm. chapter one is grasping the why. Number two is understanding your child. And what I loved out of that one was being an emotion coach. That's one word. That's kind of a phrase that I've started to use a little mm -hmm. bit more is realizing that kids who are being defiant are probably lacking skills in their emotional development. And you as a parent become an emotion coach. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the yelling, which for me, what stood out with for that too, is that you can be calm, firm, and non-controlling. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I was thinking about this morning, you can be calm and firm, but then some people will think of firm as being controlling. So mm -hmm. I love the follow-up with non-controlling. <laughs> yeah, it's such a great, great third party. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You have to have all three. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then uh, fourth chapter or step four or whatever, ten mm -hmm. days, fourth day, day uh, rise above power struggles. Whew. That's so a good hard. One. Yeah. We talked about that one, though. Five, reinforce the positive what stood out for me on chapter five was not just reinforce the positive for your kids, which is kind of, yeah, we all hear that, mm -hmm. but reinforce the positive in you as a Yes. Parent. Couldn't agree more. And just really, you know, I wrote down, you know, that at times you might feel abused by your child and just really beat up. Mm -hmm. And that um, part of this process is give yourself credit for the fact that you picked up this book or that you're listening to this podcast or that you're seeking counsel in some way, shape, or form because... Yeah. It is really hard with some of some some kids' challenges are pervasive and extensive, and just it's really a, exhausting. I just had a client in yesterday who was um, they're kind of in a contentious relationship with the two parents are divorced, and one parent was trying to kind of reach out to the other parent, saying, "I'm so tired of being abused by our kid," mm. and I and. The other parent was kind of upset by the wording of being abused by your kid. But I also thought that is what it feels like mm -hmm. in that moment. And the only other person probably who can understand is somebody else who's in that boat with you. Mm -hmm. um, but to rise above when your kid has bit you, which is the case in this one, and dr drawn blood. And that is so gut-wrenching. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what the right words for that would be, but... Just it would be awful, and to rise above those moments well, to cut. Well, and and so that's an obvious one, sort of physical abuse. Yeah, but true. I have I have another family where I hate you the most, oh, the most yes. terrible family ever. You are the worst parents you've ever. Which is probably more what this book is about. It, but but I think that's sometimes more painful yeah. because. Biting, you could, you can, I don't know, there's a shorter line for me from you, you as the child really felt out of control in that moment yeah, that's good to point. biting, yeah. whereas 
there's something very manipulative feeling about yeah. the words coming at you. It sounds so planful yeah. and like, and it quite makes you question, what did I did I do something wrong? Did I? Oh wait, actually, I just said don't have a third cupcake. <laughs> that is not <laughs> that is not not a sign of that I don't love you. As it turns out, that's actually yeah. just that's just parenting. Well, and it is interesting because even as professionals, it's it's easier. I had a, I have a kiddo who comes in. He's a teenager, young teenager. Came in yesterday, and it was the same thing. I hate being here. You're mean. I don't want to be here. And but I'm able to to realize. Oh, he's just nervous about what is happening today. Because then, as soon as I go, oh, it's gonna be all right. We're here for an hour. I give him parameters. I'm calm. I'm firm. Non-controlling. I don't go. Oh, do you not want to be here? Okay, go ahead. Let's go. I say. No, this is what we're going to do. It's okay. And then even yesterday, kind of playful teasing. And he comes out of it like that. But rising above that power struggle, it's easy for professionals, not always as easy for parents. Right. Because right. it is those words of, mm-hmm. no parent likes to hear I hate you. No. Or you're the worst ever, and you've, you've created the problems, and this, yeah. that, and the other thing. Yeah. I actually also, just on a minuscule, not a minuscule, but on a, on a layer, I appreciated his description his his um, distinguish distinguishing between bribery and reinforcement, just from oh, a sort definitely of technical perspective. I, yeah. I know folks. I, I've had parents who sort of say, "Well, I, I can bribe him to do that," and I and and it gets a little tricky because there are just regular reinforcements in the world, right? That that happen, and it is and there is a common one would be you go to work out and then you get yourself a coffee, right? You can right. you can reinforce things that you want more of. Uh-huh. Um, but I did appreciate how he was had a nice description of bribery would be please stop doing that thing and then you'll get yeah exactly right? and um, yeah. that was a great distinction and I think a great one for families to try and really put their heads around mm-hmm. how they use those tools. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that was five, reinforcing the positive, right? And kind of trying to figure out what reinforcing it means, not not bribery. And, mm-hmm. um, day six was discipline without desperation, which um, again, I love that of <laughs> absolutely kind of the message that discipline is actually the root word is about teaching mm-hmm. where for whatever reason in our society we think of it as consequences and mm-hmm. the you know you do it or else or whatever that's the discipline but it's not mm-hmm. um yeah and that punishment breaks the race breaks down the relationship right and we're both relationship focused mm-hmm. people and we believe in relationship focused teaching and relationship to focused development of the human being any human being of any age and so the fact that when you shift that mindset to a punishment you're actually breaking down the trust between that relationship yeah absolutely which is so critical so to really help a family see that um by following through and being consistent and supportive you are teaching but by doling out consequences or removing privileges or any of those kinds of things, you're actually breaking down the relationship. Yeah, and I'm just going to add what the piece that stood out for me is the being collaborative with your child. So all the things that you just said of um, for teaching, proper teaching, relationship building. Also, I love that he had the flavor of collaborative problem solving and stuff like that where um, if you're, you truly are teaching, if you're having your child involved in 
the process Mm -hmm. of this happened, it wasn't okay, how are we going to solve it for next time? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's working on so many things from executive functioning, right? Like planning and trying to um, understand, you know, back to consequences that don't necessarily work because kids don't have that whole system. If you get in there with them and you're collaborative, you help them with learning that for the long haul. Right. Exactly. And um, I feel that that's so... With our kids who all of those areas are weak neurologically, it... um, and, And you probably know better the actual science behind it. But in my experience, when kids build their own structure and their own sense of that whole process. So they are working. They make their own connections. They make their own connections. Mm -hmm. They are significantly more likely to hang on to it and maybe not make that mistake again. So when they're put upon a consequence or a punishment or they're lectured, for example, Mm -hmm. they are tuned in, tuned out. It goes back to compliance. I can choose to listen to you or I can choose not to. If I'm collaborating with you, my brain is firing on a completely different level and I'm much more likely to engage in that process differently the next time in the way that's more successful for me. Absolutely. So that just, I, I think that's great. Yeah. So that was discipline without desperation. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like he talked about maybe having a separate program around that too. Did you catch that? I'll have to look and see if he did because there was something in there that made me think. Oh, he had, like he he, did. he runs a program called that or has another book called that. I don't know. We need to look. He has another book, but it was about relationships, mm. and it was about um, the marriage. Oh, okay. Because yeah, he, has, he has a few different books. Yeah, because I. Well, uh-huh. so why don't we go into that next one? Because what you're talking about is marriage. So the next one is rallying family support, mm-hmm. um, which uh, the reason why I brought that up is just the importance of um, involving your, uh, keeping proper care of your marriage, reconnecting as a couple, and how important that is going to be for you to have each other's backs, be able to um, take over when somebody's tired and can't follow through. I mean, there's so much about having... If you are in a partnership. Two other of his books are Why Can't You Read My Mind? Oh, yeah. And Liking the Child You Love. Oh, I want to read both of them. I know, me too. <laughs> the, yes, both of them were, yeah. So I, I feel we'll like I... We'll put those in the show notes. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, so rallying family support. Um, <laughs> I liked, he said, operation cooperation versus competition. Mm-hmm. So really just, again, it's the collaborative nature of things and making sure that you're, um, I mean, people, I mean, the other thing that I'm finding is that with grandparents and extended family, people want to help. They want to be involved and instead of, you know, they do end up sometimes lecturing you as a parent and telling you what you should do, but sometimes that, that can, too, can be redirected into, I don't need that help, but I'd love this help, (laughs) you know? Right. Um... Yeah, I, I do feel that 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 layer of asking for help can be so difficult because of the all the other stuff it brings up. Um, it brings up what, what's going on. Your husband doesn't do anything. You know, sort of the people the, think they're helping by um, co-complaining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or sometimes I, we need that. 
Sometimes we need the sounding board that just goes, you know, somebody, this is like Gottman stuff. They'll say, you do need somebody who just goes, oh, that's really bad. You know, sorry, right. that's a bummer. Until you're ready mm-hmm. to go into the next phase of like, all right, what do we do now? Well, and I, I guess I get concerned that sometimes our families, that is so relieving and targeting some of the bigger stuff is so hard that they just sort of stay in the complain mode, hmm. and then they don't actually end up finding solutions. And we have, let's, let's face it, like, not everybody is great at problem-solving some of those things. Right. So. Again, that's why you need to reach out to other people, for example. But what one thing that I think we said last time that I appreciate about this book is that it starts out, I mean, this is the name of the book. Mm-hmm. Your Defiant Child. We wouldn't probably think to name a book Your Defiant Child because we don't think of kids as being defiant just to be defiant and manipulative. Right. We think, you know, we've podcast listeners have heard that before from us, right? So, but the fact that he did, and then the whole first chapter is about, like, this sucks. Yeah. Like, what's happening to you and your marriage and your kid? To, he goes through that because mm-hmm. I think people do need to hear that first. It's just, it's interesting. Yeah. That, that's really important. I loved what you talked about, about um, really thinking through rituals and, and memory lane and all of that yeah. stuff. All this stuff about how we formulate. It goes, it, it parallels what we were just saying about the child formulating their own path of memory as to how to how to engage um, around a specific task that maybe didn't go well one time, but they're problem solving and, and remembering better next time. When you're engaged in memory and you and you actively reflect, you're more likely to be able to call up. I mean, it's just on a hormonal level or not a hormonal, but a, on a on a neurological level, you're calling those things up better. I mean, memory feeds itself. Right. Right. Yeah. So if you don't, if you just sort of are always living in the moment going forward, which you know, there's something to be said for that, being present, mm-hmm. etc. Mm-hmm. But there's something to be said for remembering positive things as well and remembering that you are a person who can fill in the blank, right? You are a person who can not yell. You are a person who can remain calm and, and um, try and keep in mind and prioritize um, what, what not, that the genes aren't the most important thing that your, that your daughter's you know, friendships are important to her, and that might be the reason right. why, right? You are, you, you, if, but if you don't take the time to think, oh, I, I, I might have screwed that one scenario up with my kid, but I also did these other three things, right? So, are you thinking when you're saying the rituals? I think uh, that, like, the having a ritual of reviewing the positive kind of thing is that what you mean? I think that's one layer of this, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's one layer that parents could prioritize. Like, I think yeah. that's one of the the roles that I try and play with families because so often on an IEP meeting or whatever, all these meetings become about all the list of behaviors. Right. And they don't become about reflection in a positive way. I mean, how true. you and I were both just at a meeting where we spent the whole time talking positively yeah. and we were both like shocked that we got to because yeah. Yeah, that exactly. never happens. <laughs> it felt so refreshing. Yeah. yeah. With the family rituals, what I pulled out, too, was um, just the fact that kids, we get caught up in the moment and every day and kind of putting out fires, but the security that we all get from having um, some rituals in your house, um, sitting down 
for the dinner or sitting down to dinner together. Not every family feels that's important and that's fine, but I'm going to just use that as an example. Um, that, you know, even my own son, if we start forgetting to say our gratefuls every, you know, before we eat, he'll notice and he'll say, I miss that. It's just something kind of to hang on that makes you feel, um, as he said, kind of soothed and secure, which also is, you know, flavor from other authors and things that we've heard before. But, um, <laughs> the one takeaway that I had also, like, cause I'm always looking for little, like, concrete things to take away so I love the idea of having a joke book at the table <laughs> where I think I want to try that so that you can pull jokes and be able to tell them with one another yeah I love that um all right so should we move on to number eight yes oh that's a good one we yeah. talk about this one sometimes decreasing defiance at school oh boy <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah, I really appreciated how, to me, what stood out was the importance of collaborating with teachers. I think we so often get into this he said, she said kind of stuff in schools and the teachers having behaviors or you're having behaviors, but they're not in both places and, or they are in both places and you're blaming each other and bleh. That's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Your kid is probably going to play that up or nothing's going to happen mm-hmm. to change. Mm-hmm. without collaboration. And I also loved his parallel with being calm, firm, non-controlling when you are going into those meetings with your school as well mm-hmm. as an advocate. Couldn't agree more. And I um, I thought it was, it was helpful to, um, for a family to see, I think there's some assumptions when you don't, when you're not, don't have an education background, there's some assumptions that aren't, true always depending on the culture of the school they're not it's not true that an administrator would make sure that there's good matches of um, Mm. personality so to speak or it's not true that teachers collaborate because just like in an office building you do have personalities and you have it's an it's a there's a top-down structure to it or there's a there's an inherent culture to that school Uh and some schools do it better than others or some schools do it with a better fit for you. So to to have a parent who, I mean, I came from educators, so I always knew all of those things. And I have, it's and my sister, I don't think, paid attention to any of that stuff. So when she, she was just sort of clueless about kind of approaching schools. Mm-hmm. And it was interesting for me to go, oh, I guess that's not obvious to everyone. But I had that experience both in my training, but also I just paid attention more to what, what my parents were doing than <laughs> my sister did, apparently. So meaning you have kind of, um, some people may have higher expectations that the school is collaborating right. and advocating for your child. And it may take you going in and alerting them to that kind of thing. Right. Or just, exp- or just, so yes. So working with them, you with them is one piece. So obviously asking for them to collaborate, mm-hmm. but then if that doesn't happen to then make a different decision about, do I look for a place where that is mm. a priority? Oh, right. So not just assuming that every school Correct. Can, can do that. Correct. Even. Exactly. Hmm. Um, because I wrote collaboration three or four times as well under this chapter, and it, it is reminding me that I have been in plenty of schools where that's awesome and okay. happens intuitively and fluidly, and plenty of other schools where that is just not the case. They're 
for whatever reason. I also love that, you know, he doesn't just stay with, just collaborate with teachers and kind of have it. He, he, in every chapter, I feel like he does this, but in this chapter especially, he gives really specifics, actually, about mm-hmm. what you can advocate for. So he goes into the accommodations you can ask for, um, and he goes into self-advocacy for, you know, how to teach, again, involve your child in self-advocating for themselves, um, like raising your hand at least two times during the class period. So giving a child who might be anxious and then dis- uh, displaying defiant behavior, giving them like raise your hand two times during class gives them something concrete to be able to do mm-hmm. to then be able to be successful and bring anxiety down. Mm-hmm. Just, I like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have, I have planned to help and mentor others like apprenticeship. And so I, I appreciated that. Um, I don't remember that part. Tell me again. If I, rec- if I recall correctly, it's been a little while, but if I recall correctly, it was like, again, as a way to empower the child, Mm -hmm. have ways in which a child could help someone younger or help someone that they are more experienced than. Uh And I would say that's so critical and so wonderful. I just had a client who I'm a little concerned about, again, in a new placement, all sorts of bombed out of school, other places, but this teacher naturally was like, well, he does really well in PE, so we got him as a TA in the PE class with younger nice. kids. I said, oh my God, thank you so much. <laughs> Built up confidence so quickly. I, I, that, to me, also brings up that um, you have to seek out the people who are going to be creative with your kiddo and have higher expectations. Um, because that took a teacher who is like, huh, how can we build this kid up rather than just get them to be compliant? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That takes creativity. Yeah. And just, and, and, yeah, I agree. All right, day nine. Um, decreasing stubborn obstacles. So this one is really about, I think, co-occurring conditions and mm-hmm. issues that can be happening alongside, um, which I really like to, he, he gives kind of, uh, brief little descriptions of different things that might be kind of underlying um, issues or co-occurring conditions from ADD, ADHD, anger that masks depression. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree, and I think that's an area where, um, especially if you get one diagnosis at one point in your life, you might think that everything that's going on with a child has to do with that. So Mm -hmm. everything is about the ADD or everything is about the ASD, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And they really are, I mean, there are a lot of, there's a lot of overlap and and it doesn't even need to be become about getting a formal diagnosis or any of those kinds of things, but just understanding that your child's unique brain might be challenged in more than one way. Um, and the defiance mm-hmm. is actually the result of challenges in more than one way. So right. even if you're targeting ASD, but you're forgetting about a processing, a language processing disorder, right? Um, you know, those don't have to be the exact same thing, but the defiance could be the exact same thing. Right. So the other piece I don't remember him talking about, but that I like to remind myself about is that every kid has a different personality too. Yeah. Like that's, you know, you're going to have, I think of it as like, you could have a kid with autism who's an extrovert. Mm-hmm. 
that looks really different than a kid with autism who may have be in, more of an introvert. Mm-hmm. And then you have the in-betweens, right? Right. It's like we forget that, um, kind of back to that fire, right? You have some kids who just personality-wise, and often you see it in the parents too, that they are fighters. They're gonna they're good advocates for their kids because of that. Mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. then they have a kid who also is a fighter, mm-hmm. and it's just a matter of kind of redirecting that again. But and then you may have parents who are more shy or less um, outgoing, and then your kid is maybe more passive. So, no, I think that's an important one. An important one to remember that you didn't you you don't always. Uh, have the child that you thought you were going to be parenting um, or that is exact. Sometimes you get a child who's exactly like you in a lot of ways. So you can really understand. And sometimes you get one that's exactly like your partner was as a child and you didn't know that person. then. (laughs) So, hmm, you know, or, or who knows, or, you know, just like grandpa and you're like, Oh yeah, grandpa was really fiery or whatever it is. Um, It's an interesting thing to think about. (laughs) Maggie's joining us. Um, I think that, uh, it's interesting. I only had one child, and so I can only have that perspective. But the I think it's so funny when there's two kids in a family or even more. Their personalities are so incredibly different, and exactly what you're talking about. One will be like the first one. They were so easy. They were just like me. And then the next one, whoa, totally, completely different, you know. <laughs> oh, Maggie, you coming to say hi. Um, all right, and day 10, the last day. Yes is all about reducing defiance for the long run and like what we were saying of progress versus perfection. Um, I know and what I love about this is just that all of the things that we know about any kind of um, intervention, behavioral therapy, any of those kinds of things is you know slowing down to go to, to move forward or yeah. ha- having um, taking a step back sometimes helps you go forward. So set, yeah. the whole concept of setbacks are normal. Um, and of forgiving yourself for se- and mm-hmm. your child for setbacks. To- yeah. That's huge. Like, and, you're going to have them, predict them, and forgive yourself for them. You're going to yell still. Right. Even right. knowing all this, you're still going to have meltdowns for yourself <laughs> and your child. Mm-hmm. Right. But that each one just... A good reminder mm-hmm. of these 10 steps and then move forward again. Right. right. Rise above. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, it reminded me of, um, um, sort of 12 step process of, yeah. well, I mean, one of the main things Not is for, yeah. to really forgive yourself for that. That's a part of the process if is relapse. relapsing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's just part of human experience is we're not, we're not perfect. We are not perfect, but it is about doing as much as you can to stay moving forward for as long as you can. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and to really just be there for your child. Yeah. Um, so I love that he gave really concrete things again in Mm -hmm. this chapter about when you do have a setback, what to do. And he said, don't panic. And, Focus on your parental strengths to find peace, acceptance, and continued resi- resilience. Mm-hmm. So again, just kind of moving forward. Um, Is this the chapter where we had sort of a long list of of things to do? Was that this chapter, or maybe that was the school chapter? I don't remember, but yeah, um, a few good lists. Yeah, There's great tables and great lists throughout the whole thing. And then we haven't even talked yet about all the appendices. I know. Oh, maybe it was just the appendices that I'm thinking mm. of. But um, I what I 
I just foresee a family having this book and printing it off and having it by a bedside table or, mm. you know, keeping it as a screensaver to read through um, mm, periodically yeah. or something like that where... He does have on his website, I think, or somewhere, I found a PDF download of the 10 steps in short form mm, okay. that I thought exactly that, like throw it up on your refrigerator so you can have it as or on your bedside table yeah. just as reminders. Yeah, play, but however that works for you in your car or whatever. Yeah. Um, what I appreciate about that is just that a visual, but b um, snippet. Right, there is a reason words for words of affirmation websites are a big deal. You know, or they are quotes at the bottom of people's emails. Like it is relevant and it does yeah. spark something for our brains to to either change habit or. Yeah. you know, think about, et cetera. And all of that is, um, I think, helps families stay more moving in the right direction, helps parents, helps, and therefore helps kids. Absolutely. So I thought maybe um, just to finish up, maybe we could just list what the appendices are real quick. I love that. that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I thought, I mean, just the fact that he has them is so awesome, and some of them are really, really good. All of them are really good. But the first appendix is determining if your child needs professional help. So... Um, walking you through a little bit of um, how to decide if you need to access somebody else for help as well, um, from primary care physician to psychologist to counselors, etc. So yeah, when it. and how to go about that. The next one, appendix two, is, um, I think this is my favorite, further considerations with age-specific guidelines for managing your child in cyberspace. Mm-hmm. And... What I personally love about his approach is that he's not saying, oh my God, screen time is horrible. He actually is saying, and we might have talked about this in the first one, um, he says, uh, screen time is actually good. There are some really good things about it. Just we need to figure out a balance, right? Much like with everything, but yes. Yeah. So he talks about the problems of um, too much screen time. He goes into that and then, um, then kind of what to do, how to... Um, you know, it kind of mirrors the 10 steps actually of how to set boundaries around it and, um, and even into ages. Oh, Maggie's telling us. I think the ages are so important because I think that's very confusing for families. Yeah. Um, it's also really confusing when they're, the use of technology is a gateway for communication for some kids. It's Mm -hmm. a, it's the only time where they feel competent. It's Mm. the only time where, they Absolutely. are exploring and trying new things, and so trying to find a balance with that, I think I can understand where well, that's really hard. nowadays, friendships, like teens having friends online playing that they're playing with, like how do you grasp that? Like, because you really want them to have friends in real life, but at the same time, real life today is a lot of the cyber time with friends. It's yeah, it's an interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, appendix three: Guide to Handling Defiant Students. Um, I'm going to be honest, I didn't, I don't, did you read that one? I don't think I did because, yeah, I don't think I did actually. Okay, so. So is it for, is it the idea that it's meant for teachers? Um, Obviously. If you have a defiant student, you would give that to your defiant student's teacher. Oh, yes. If you're an educator who's willing to try to use the following strategies, yes. Ooh, that's awesome. So it's to, um, yeah, don't take a student's defiance personally, connecting and listening and encouraging. Oh, awesome. Developing a relationship. <laughs> Absolutely. So 
That's Appendix 3. It even has a table for teachers to be able to um, see when they're being controlling what words they may be using versus being calm, firm, non-controlling and how they can interact with kids. So really nice um, strategies stepped up. Again, I love that visual of right side by side. Yeah. Many times we've seen the, all the ways you can say good job. Right. Right? <laughs> exactly. And it does. It helps you remember that there are other ways to do it. Yeah. So And gives you really concrete steps. Mm. And then the last part of the book is um, sources that he ha- he uses for this book and then resources. And it's really chock full of great resources for um, everything from co-occurring conditions to um, the very last one is even talking to your child, taking your child to a therapist and um, questions you might be able to ask, um, th- more information about technology and limiting and the use of it and things like that. So great stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for chatting about this book. Yeah, it was wonderful. I'm pleased and looking forward to our next book that we're going to explore. Yeah, me too. Okay. All right.